episode of the Old Man Orange Podcast. I'm Spencer Scott Holmes. And I'm Rain Dunnigan. We're going, this is sort of like, I guess you would say, our Halloween episode. We're going to pick something kind of, like one of those movies that's like, almost like, kind of a legendary movie, but something that's like legendary yet doesn't really get a whole lot of talk about. I think retroactively it's been kind of getting a little bit more people talking about it because it was it was a earlier movie from Peter Jackson. So after you do something like Lord of the Rings, people look back and go like, oh, what else did he do? And up until, may, well, not enough, well, probably maybe around, oh, like five years ago, I didn't even know he directed this movie. So it was one of those things like, oh, really? This was him? Well, I kind of, because it's weird because Peter Jackson started more closer to like Sam Raimi and I kind of see it in this sort of. Well, there's one of those ones, too. It's like, I didn't, I didn't realize this was a Peter Jackson movie. It's like, I've known about this movie my whole life. And it's like, oh, that's a Peter Jackson movie. And then also just having Robert Zemeckis, like, produce it as well, too. It's like, which all kind of makes sense. It seems like it feels like that fits together, kind of like a very, like, solid package. But, like, I was like, Robert Zemeckis, like, you know, I just did, like, Forrest Gump. Well, what do you want to do? I'm going to do The Frighteners next. Well, this right here, well, it's, we're, first off, you probably know from the title, but we're talking about The Frighteners, folks. The 1996 and, one. Yeah. And the thing about this movie is this is, I guess, Peter Jackson's first big budget movie he's done for the States. And on top of that, it's also this movie that, uh, I don't know, it feels kind of a weird combination of things, but it all makes sense when you see it. Like, it is produced by Robert Zemeckis, and originally when he was looking to make this movie, well, he didn't know he wasn't looking to make this movie originally. This was a movie that was worked, that was cobbled together script-wise, by Peter Jackson, and then, uh, what was her name? Fran Walsh. Mm -hmm. And he liked the script, and he thought this would be a good spinoff to the Tales from the Crypt. Uh, uh, um, uh, uh, like the movie series. Uh, just said his, uh, the movie oh, series. Oh, Robert Zemeckis? Blink on his, Robert Zemeckis, yeah. Like, he, uh, like, this would be a good, like, spinoff to that. But then he's like, oh, actually, no, it seems like a little bit more of its own thing, so we'll just keep it separate from that. And originally, he had every intention for this movie to be a PG-13 movie, but there's just a few things that set it over that. And they just like, yeah, yeah let's just keep it R, I guess. And one, no one was supposed to be PG-13 originally. It kind of shows in certain jokes and the, the tone of the movie, but it all kind of works because it's just like, <clears throat> it's very 90s, but it has some of that kind of... Uh, it's like that weird mix mash of like different directors and different stamps, different inspirations you can kind of see from the time. Well, it's kind of weird because it's like I thought this movie was PG thirteen the whole time. I didn't realize it was rated R until much later. It was like, and it it really is as well as movies because it's like it's a, it's one of that odd thing where a movie was actually made PG thirteen, and then it's just kind of like ah, uh, you know, they're like, well, maybe it's it's when the MPA is like kind of like, well, I think it's kind of rated R. It's just a little bit too much. And they're like, fuck it, we're gonna go back and add some more gore into it. Then if you're gonna make it R, then we'll we'll kind of add there. But if you think about it, I don't think there's any f bombs in the movie. Like, there's no like you you could totally tell it start. It, it is like PG thirteen, and then it's just got just a couple violent scenes, and that's about it. That they're like. You know, borderline, it could be radar or it could just be a very hard PG-13, I feel. Both tonally, I'm going to say this feels kind of like Sam Raimi with Robert Zemeckis. It has kind of like that vibe, a little bit of that Spielberg kind of vibe to it too, but I think that makes sense because Zemeckis kind of comes from that same, you know, uh, same like time as, as Spielberg and they like, I think they're friends. I think didn't Spielberg produce back in the future? Yeah. Well, cause Robert Zemeckis, yeah. and I think he also produced even like, I want to hold your hand or something like that too. Cause I always think that like, 
Steven kind of like took Robert under his wing, like, you're coming with me, Rob. We're, we're going to do magic together. Steven's got you. Don't you worry. Well, I, I know that uh, Joe Johnston, I know that he was a guy. Don't you worked... dare take that fucking offer from Francis Ford Coppola. Fuck that guy. You're coming with Steve. You're going to be part of the Steve crew. <laughs> Put your Steve crew hat on now, Rob. <laughs> Put down that bottle of Coppola wine. Put it down. Put it down. I know. I know that's his offer. I got something better for you. I got special effects. I got you a baseball cap. With, baseball cap with <laughs> says, my name on it. It says Steve Crew on it. <laughs> we all know what Steve. <clears throat> not you, Steve McQueen. Yeah, no, not the Steve McQueen crew. That 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 died out when he died out. I tried to be part of that team. Steve didn't want me on that team, actually. Apparently, I couldn't drive fast enough. Yeah, you know, I, I was just trying to be safe, you know. But um, it's always interesting, like like, like you like those the, the original Peter Jackson movies. I think it's like there's almost like two types of Peter Jacksons out there, and I just think there's like the majority of people obviously they they know like the oh he did Lord of the Rings and King Kong. It's like he's this elegant director, you know, who makes these fantastic like you know you know representations of like classic stories and so on. And then it's kind of like you go back to the early days of Peter Jackson, like no he's just into fucked up violence and like watching people getting brutally murdered and having all kinds of weird kind of camera angles and shots and. You know, hanging out in New Zealand because I even like how this movie's like, yes, it's his first big like American movie for like the states. And he's like, uh, by the way, can we do it in New Zealand? Yeah, so I, I don't really want to move. Can we just do my hometown? <laughs> yeah, fuck like, awesome. You know what I mean? It's just like, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. Can we just can we come back here? Look, we'll say we're in some coastal town. We're already kind of by the water. It's close enough. Everyone just put on an American accent. It'll be fine. No one tell the difference. And I didn't know this was filmed in New Zealand until, you know, I looked deeper into it. Yeah, it looked like Maine for all I knew. I was like, yeah, shit. Yeah, I assumed it was Maine. It looked, it looked like a, um, not a Steven Spielberg movie, but a, a Stephen King movie. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I thought, like, felt like that's what the setup was going for. This is going to be a random question. Did Steven Spielberg ever produce a Stephen King movie or ever direct a Stephen King movie? I want to say I'm that's a negative. If- I, I want to. Um, that surprised me because they seem like they want to pull from each other so badly on different things. Exactly. Could you go? I mean, you, they both they both like kids and bikes getting into danger. Yeah, because that's that's the thing. If there's one that's like Stand by Me would be the closest one because that feels like it, it almost has that feeling. That, like, because a lot of times you tell people that's a Stephen King one, they're like, "What? Stephen King?" It's like, yeah, that's that's a Stephen King movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this has a little bit of that Stephen King, Steven Spielberg. Like, um, that whimsy. midway. Yeah, kind of whimsy to it a little bit. Well, there's just that sense of, like, you know, that it feels kind of like, all right, when you're a kid, there was, I don't know about you, but when you're a kid, there are some of those horror movies, or some of those R-rated movies you weren't allowed to watch, you know, probably say something like, I don't know, something that was like... Like Friday the 13th, like, that's not, that's not a, like a... Yeah, maybe your parents don't want you watching something like that. But then there'd be something, I don't know, my parents were cool with me watching Terminator 2, I guess because they knew it was mostly science fiction and robots and that kind of shit. So, and this doesn't have the same kind of whimsy, but at the same time, like, I remember when I was 12, I mean, they, my, my parents, it's so weird, they didn't want me watching American Pie, but I think since they knew it, they're okay with me watching Animal House when I was 12. So, <laughs> like, well, that's, think, a, that, that, that's American classic now. American Pie, uh, not there yet. Yeah, so I think that's probably one of the things for that. Like, but one of those, we well, we know this, so it's okay. It's okay. Well, that's why I feel I like as a kid because I remember like like The Shining was like one of those ones where my parents like showed that to me early on. Which, like in hindsight, that one almost seems worse than the other ones. 
well, this even has a little bit of that vibe of, like, you can probably show this to your kid. You know, this has that thing of, like, this is one of the few horror films from when I was younger where I was able to actually kind of get into it. Probably because initially, because I'm not going to lie, for a long time I was a little fucking coward. I didn't like horror movies, and I was just too scared to watch them. But I yeah, think we, seeing, we like, like, bully you into them. People Come on, Ryan, I, we're going to fucking watch a horror movie. Come on, Ryan. Fucking man up. Yeah, well, the more I got into film, the more I got into them, and... You know, and this was one of the few ones where I liked it just because, well, first off, I didn't find it that scary. But secondly, there was also that initial, like, it kind of eased you in, sort of. Because it, I was like, oh, it's a comedy? This is a horror comedy? Because it leans a little bit more in comedy than it does horror at certain times. Well, it starts off that way. I feel like it turns into full horror, like, once you kind of get about halfway into it. It's the beginning part has kind of, like, some little bit of goofy comedy. But once again, I, th- I do think it is kind of, like, the perfect one for, like, you know, you can show this, like, an eight-year-old. It might kind of scare him because I guess it's ghosts. But once again, there's no language in it, you know, for the most part. There's, like, no real nudity. It's just, like, violence. And, like, the violence and it's kind of more, like, ghost violence, I guess you would say. There's, like, two parts, maybe, that are, like, all right, there's your R rating. But even then, by today's standards, like, it looks tame. Like, there's a part where someone's head gets blown off, but it's in such, like, a cartoony see like early night like mid 90s cg kind of way it's just like ah it's hard to you know be it's hard to you know i think that's probably one of the few scenes like all right let's go back and add some gore to this yeah because originally i think it was like the the initial shot is he just gets shot in the chest and then they're like oh we're giving you an ring like well fuck that if that's the case then we're going back and we're blowing somebody's fucking head off <laughs> well i even like that because we won't say who it is because we'll go a little bit more chronological order but the person they shoot in the head I, I, as soon as they shoot his head you see his ghost heads floating there like what's going on yeah, I, I think that's it's a really cool shot because it's not like anything you've ever really seen before. And that's kind of how this movie is. It's like it has those kind of special effects that in 1996 probably would have blown your fucking mind. And nowadays it's like if you, if you kind of go into it like and just look at it kind of like what it is, like trying to show this to somebody now, it does kind of have that effect where it's like it, you can see someone going like, oh, this is kind of corny and dumb. But like if you have kind of like a filmmaker historian mind – you go like, oh, well, no, I, I see that like that, that actually is kind of cool. And, you know, you almost kind of appreciate it. Sort of like a, you appreciate it like stop motion like kind of effects almost. Well, the best effect in the movie is the Grim Reaper ghost that's flying around. Even though it's very obviously CG, there are times where that doesn't look so bad. And you can almost see kind of early designs of, of the ring race for Lord of the Rings, which I guess was his next project. Which is like, God, was it, did it take that long for Lord of the Rings to get off the ground? But I guess it did. Them just trying to figure out how they're going to do it, plan it out. Then I guess all the years it went into filming it. Yeah, then you're doing all three of them back to back. And I, I think I think that's kind of, it was a big, like, take on and so on. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, you know, this is one of those ones where, like, this movie kind of starts off. And realistically, you know what this movie also is, too? It's like a proto-John Constantine movie. I mean, he's even kind fuck, of is. You know, you you got uh, Michael J. Fox is pretty much your like resident like ghost kind of spiritual guy, you know, for hire, and he's even wearing a trench coat and everything too. I mean, like I feel like you, you know, you give him a fucking accent and a, and a cigarette, and you got fucking right there. There you go. There's your John Constantine. Well, it's also the last movie he starred in for a while. I think ever. It's I think it's literally, it's, it's literally the last movie he ever starred in. I think just because he didn't want to be away from his family, and I think after this he went on to work on Spin City. Yeah. So he just wanted to be more dude, more television, be closer to his family after this movie because he's like, I don't want to go all the way to New Zealand every day. Like it's not every movie. Well, you know, I don't want to go. I don't want to be go, go yeah, away. Yeah, but that Peter, long, so. you know how Peter is. He's forceful of his his New Zealandness. He wants me to. He wants me to like 
walk around on my knees and play Frodo. I told him to fuck off. <laughs> he said the cerebral palsy actually works in the favor. <laughs> okay, Frodo. He had early signs of it in this movie, didn't he? I don't know, but it came because it came halfway during Spin City, and that's why he gets. That's why Charlie Sheen comes in next in that show. Mm, okay, okay. So it's really not that far off that he has it. So right here, though, in this movie. I, I will say it's kind of hard to do. After Ghostbusters, it is kind of hard to go, like, all right, like, if you're, if you're not playing it like a John Constantine, like someone who's, you know, like a troubled alcoholic slash, you know, he just, he's not a religious guy, but he just knows all the right verses and how to get through this thing. It's hard to do the funny Ghostbuster guy after Ghostbusters. But I think it's an interesting way to do it, because like, he's more of a con man. Like, he has this gift where he can see the dead and communicate with the dead, but everything else is bullshit. So he'll have his two ghost buddies. It was like Stuart and Cyrus. Mm-hmm. Stuart's like this nerdy guy, and Cyrus is this black dude. You also weird about Stuart? Era. Is he's nerdy, but he's got a he's got a leatherman jacket on. <laughs> like it's kind of seventies. He had blend in. Yeah, he, he had to, he had to prove you weren't one of them. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's that's what I thought was kind of funny about because it, it's just you don't see that really often. You got this nerdy looking guy with glasses, but he's got a leatherman jacket on. He probably, probably like had the track team or something like that, or cross country, even something like that. Or he took his big brothers. Maybe he, got, he, took he his sure big was good for running away, away from a fight. <laughs> well, maybe he took his uh, big brother's jacket, and that's why that's why he's dead now. You know, the team found him. <laughs> yeah, you never know. That could be the case. Should never put down those science books, boy. No. Anyway, but uh, moving on from this, so he basically has his two friends go and do poltergeist shit like lift things up in the house scare people and then he's the only paranormal investigate investigator in the whole town so then people go and they'll ask you know he'll he'll go there and he'll like spray some foley water pull up this fake machine like oh yeah i just sucked up the ectoplasm you don't want to hold on to this this can get out uh this will keep you safe for about six months uh now it's going to come down to uh 500 bucks give or take yeah, and you can just kind of tell that, like, even though he seems like this, you know, you could tell, I tell some people are kind of seeing, like, right through him, like, oh, he doesn't fucking see this shit. It's just, you know, it's like, well, what do you think just happened fucking an hour ago? But okay. But it is that thing where it's like, even though he's a con man, it's like, it's really not working out very well for him, too. He's driving an old jalopy car. He's got a house that's totally unfinished. Well, they get the point across that, you know, he his wife died. There's, there's a little bit more of this uh, mystery throughout the movie, like, that did he or didn't he and the way they present him you pretty much pretty uh pretty much automatically know he didn't do it but there's this whole theory of like did he kill his wife and it's one of the reasons why he's kind of secluded because apparently he was this uh well-off architect and then one day he got into a car crash with his wife and his wife died but then people assume he actually killed his wife and but i'll say this this is just not nothing too big i guess it's probably more for comedical for comical moments but the whole idea of like, you know what? If you knew you died in a car crash with your wife, you knew, you think you'd learn how to drive better? Want to drive like such a fucking asshole all the time, <laughs> like cutting like from one side of the road to the other, like on a fucking dime? It must be one of those. He might have one of those cars that has like terrible like turn radiuses in it. Maybe that's the reason. I don't know. I'm trying to <laughs> figure out exactly what it is. But yeah, he's just that guy that in town everybody kind of d- dislikes. Like oh that fucking michael j fox again trying to give us his ghost shit and he shows up at like funerals and stuff and he's handing out like his card and so on which granted i guess that's the only way you could like uh pass your business around because that's sort of what's associated with but um 
want to talk to him, here's the best way. And of course, like the the local sheriff in town, for some reason, is like his is like his wannabe best buddy. It's like he's almost like not really like Michael J. Fox doesn't want to be buddies with this guy, but that sheriff guy sure wants to be the best of all friends for him, and he'll he would do almost anything for Michael. Like Michael could kill somebody in front of him and be like, "We'll work this out, Michael. It's okay." Yeah, you can see he actually just wants to. He he's into ghost shit. And he just wants to know more about ghost shit. Yeah. Essentially, at the end of the day. And Michael's just like, I'll, I'll throw him a bone once in a while, and hopefully that just keeps him from, I don't know, arresting me. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, you know, in, his, in this life, it's like, you know, nothing's really, like, working out. It's not bad, but it's, it's like, can't finish the house off. It's been, you know, because probably I'm assuming he's had that house for six years, and it's still, like, you know, not even, you know, halfway done. Well, when he got into the car crash, that's where he could start seeing dead people. So out of that, that's where... I think he's like, well, I think he just kind of lost the drive once his wife died. He lost the drive to finish the house. On top of that, he has all this, like, well, like, I guess I can make money this way. And it just became like, you know, no one wants to hire me. I don't want to go looking for a job. Who am I trying to impress now? I got no one to impress. Him. I got to impress this fucking ghost. What? So I think he's just existing, you know. And he's like, I'm going to slowly build this house back together. And then the, his other friend was an old cowboy named uh, an old like rotting i'm guessing what happens is the more you don't go you don't pass on to heaven or hell the more the ghosts start to decay because you look at Stuart and uh cyrus they don't look that bad mm-hmm. but you look at judge and he is just like falling apart his whole like stomach's missing he's kind of held by like he's also probably one of the most uh um most uh um, impressive cg effects in the in the movie for the time you mean like a cg overlay or whatever cg overlay yeah because he has that whole thing where you see his spinal column being supported with his upper body with his ribs kind of busted open sort of and then he i mean this part's just makeup he has his jaw poking through his um through his cheek yeah and i think that's probably i think it's just kind of like a nice combination of practical effects with the cg kind of look and yeah that character looks really neat and just yeah, it is an interesting one too. It's just like the fact that hey, if you're not if you're not going anywhere, you just start to fall apart, and you know this is it. Mm-hmm. And there's the one guy. So essentially, what ends up happening is they they show like one or two of these situations where people are all having their houses they're being attacked by ghosts, and that's where Michael J. Fox rolls in. <laughs> so it's like bullshits, and then you know gets paid. And then there's the doc, Dr. Lucy Linsky, who's played by Trini Al, Alvarado. And then is, uh, what was the, what was the douchebag Ray? Was Ray the douchebag? I think that was, was, his name was Ray. Yeah, I think that's played by Peter Dobson, I think. Anyway, so he go like, earlier on in the movie, he crashes through this dude's, like, through his fence. He's like, I want to show you! Like, hey man, I'm sorry. Here, Here's my uh, here's my uh, name and all that. Here's my information. Just send me the bill. I'll pay it back. I'm going to do more. I want to show you. I want to destroy your whole life. You know, just, you know, he's all like pumped up. Um, this, this, there's that, there's that period where now you can have someone working out in a movie and they can just be a normal guy, but there was that period in the 90s where this guy works out. He must be on fucking steroids. He must be fucking angry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was just kind of like, if a guy works out, he's only going to be angry. That's it. No, nothing else. Mm-hmm. And then, very much this character. Yeah, and I love how he's got a bunch of fucking like yard or like garden gnomes out there and so on. And he intentionally just going, oh, "I'm sorry, man." Just runs over one of the gnomes that goes, "Oh!" It's like, why the fuck would this guy give a shit about gnomes? And he's just into weird shit. Yeah. 
But uh, so like that's like the house that he ends up kind of like sending the ghost to to have like the paranormal activity kind of thing. And then uh, through that, that's how he meets you know pretty much the the doctor lady and whatnot. And that becomes kind of the, the other protagonist of this film. And then you learn from her that she's into like kind of like murder mystery type stuff. And then you got the the Jake Busey character who like in town <laughs> a set of teeth. Good old good old Jake Busey. I love fucking Jake Busey. I really wish he was in more stuff. You know, he, he just needs to be in, like... Because I always think of him in, like, Starship Troopers, and then he was also in The New Predator, which is kind of cool. Because I thought it was like, oh, maybe his character connects to, like, his, his dad's character in Predator 2. He played Sex Machine in, uh, whatchamacallit, in, um... In, uh, the... From Dust Till Dawn TV show. Did he? That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. That was one of those shows, like, I started, and I remember it being good, and then I just... That was as far as I got. <laughs> He was also in, I want to say, he was also in uh, somewhere in, it was a small part, but it makes sense because the 80s. He was in, like, Stranger Things Season 3 at some point. But I don't think it was a huge part, but he was in there somewhere. Oh, that's pretty sweet. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so he plays, like, pretty much the serial killer of this, like, movie, of this town, I guess you would say. And uh, she's just kind of, like, knows is there. And then he's got, like, a girlfriend who's, like, 15 that he's, like, kind of conned into it. And nobody's really too sure. It's, like, in this murder mystery, they're, like... You know, was she an accomplice or was she not? She was sent home and, you know, maybe she was just a 15-year-old under the influence and whatnot. Now she's just under the watchful eye of her mother, you know, in the, in, in the scary, creepy house that they live at the edge of town. <laughs> <laughs> On the mountain that always has, always has lightning going. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it's just right next door to the Munsters and right next door to the Adams family. Yep, that's the house. <laughs> Three blocks down from the morgue. <laughs> yeah, you know. But, um... Uh, so she kind of gets all associated with that. She almost gets interested because I remember she goes over to like that house at one point. And like, does that have something to do with Michael J. Fox yet? Or does she just go over there for like, she's, she's like, she's like I, saw, I saw a special doctor. on TV and I thought I'd just show up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it was an on, she had an on-call doctor. She's, she's an on-call doctor oh, and she right. went to go like work on the, uh, I guess, I think it was like one of those things like you, she saw that the mother was very protective and saw the lady who was... Uh, what was her name? The lady who was like the key. She was, uh, was it? Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. I don't remember her name, but yeah. Um, but um, she actually had the whole thing going where she was like, she was obsessed with Jake uh, Busey when he was younger and all that. And it was like, oh, well, he, did he con her into it? Or was she just like, uh, was she conned into it? Was she was she tricked or was she a psycho? And they're playing it off like she is innocent and she's just, you know, mentally abused. And her mother abuses her because she has like strangle marks. In the very beginning of the movie, there is like some kind of ghost thing chasing her throughout the house. And the mother is like, demon be gone! And she has like a shotgun. That all felt very Sam Raimi at the very beginning and then we cut back and then she's just like i think her mother's abusing her i think her mother's mistreating her like my daughter's evil don't let her fool you and this and that and she the the movie's trying really hard to make you have sympathy for this character because i'm not gonna lie no one i mean even knowing what happens spoilers but knowing what happens later in this movie I still like just seeing the way she 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 does a good job of playing both sides because she makes you believe like I know it's gonna happen but I feel bad for her kind of right here not when you not when it's later revealed but it's just one of those things like it's it's believable you know oh yeah totally I definitely think so I think she does a really good job of that because at first you're like yeah look at this poor lady just like you know the wrong place at the wrong time almost kind of like um 
it's kind of like I, well, I was gonna say maybe not as abused as not as, I was gonna say like it's like Juliette Lewis's character from Natural Born Killers, but that character is like full on no. abused, <laughs> Rodney Dangerfield abused. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of one of those things you feel like that you know she made one mistake and make had a misjud like misjudgment of character, being young and dumb, but then and that's haunted her for the rest of her life. So that, and you feel kind of bad for because how do you bounce back from that but then later come back oh oh never mind never mind but as it goes on though at this point we that's all we know and so after after going back they're watching like a tv special like recently on you know murder tv and they just kind of cover that story and all that and um that's where you see jake Busey. So i'm like oh so there's someone going around causing all those mysterious heart attacks i wonder who it could be it's not hard to narrow down but they do a good a few good things kind of get the scent off the trail of that girl at least and then um moving forward that's where also michael j fox is also getting blamed for it too yeah so michael j fox comes in he comes in because they start doing the poltergeist shit to uh lucy's house and that's where the ray guys i'm gonna sue you like this is bullshit this is complete and utter bullshit get the fuck out of my house get out of my house you know all that yeah it's like even michael j fox like he's like it'll cost you 500 dollars, but here's the thing We'll call it even for the fence. Well, because I like that because you know his whole plan was, look, I crashed into this dude's fence earlier today, so... I, I can't afford it, so... So let's just... So go there, do some ghost shit, and then we'll... Then he'll... Now that gets me in the clear for that. But as he's leaving, though, he sees, like, a number appear on the guy's head. And, like, and when he gets back home, he says, which one of you guys made put the fucking number in his head? Like, that wasn't us. What are you talking about? Like, whatever, assholes. And then you find out that like whoever has the vision whoever whoever can see ghost shit can essentially see the number of whoever this ghost is about to kill appear on their forehead and they also say that something that he did that the ghost did not the ghost but Joe Jake Busey did was he carved the numbers of each victim into his head into their head and I can't remember if it does a scene yet but there's the scene where like like when um this probably comes actually a little bit later, but like when he get when um Michael J. Fox has the flashback to like in the car accident with his wife, that's the first time he ever sees that number carved into someone's head. Is on his wife has like the number thirteen on there. Yeah, so what's happening at some point is there's this other lady in town who's just like the I am, you know, like just Bitchberry Bougenthorpe or whatever. You know, just the is, most bougie. Is this the lady who owns lady. like the newspaper company? Yeah, like what this like aristocratian Brit- British lady is doing in fucking Maine or whatever. I don't know. In fucking like New Zealand, Maine. Like this is as far as they got. <laughs> but I didn't go more inland than this. I don't want to be too far away of a boat ride home. So anyway, so she's basically like just going after Michael J. Fox and this guy's a parasite. He's just, you know, leeching off people who are, you know, in mourning. This and that. Like, no, 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 no. This is all real. This is... This is me just trying to do my job, trying to get by. And they're like, oh, whatever, fuck you. And I got endorsements from the police station. Yeah. <laughs> this one guy just won't leave me the fuck alone. All he ever wants to do is to work on this book deal together. Yeah, I mean, like, great, I could tell him whatever. I could make a bunch of shit up. He won't fucking know. Shit, he'll write anything down. <laughs> I'm not too sure if he knows how to write, but that's okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll decipher his crayon drawings. <laughs> But, so from there, they end up, uh, something happens. There's a murder, like, because he ends up talking to Lucy, 
Because what's up happening is he finds out Ray is killed by this ghost. And he says, well, it's a little bit of a mystery figuring how. He's like, I feel like this sharp pain in my heart. And the next thing you know, I'm dead. So he's talking to Ray. And he's talking to Lucy. And he starts to kind of get closer to Lucy. And Ray's like, oh, this fucking bitch. And all this and that. You find out. They, they do whatever they can to make him unlikable. Because you realize that he apparently took a bunch of her money and put it in a bad investment. Yeah, and wasn't going to mention it. Yeah, yeah. And then he starts to get a little closer to her. And from there, someone dies in the bathroom. He sees, like, the Reaper ghost pop through the mirror, grab this guy's heart. And then then later he's leaving. And then they start going, like, you know, he appeared. You know, this guy, you're you the last person seen with this guy. You both ran into the bathroom together. I don't know what happened. If you, like... If you, if you sucked each other's dicks and you didn't want anyone to know, so you killed them. I don't know what happened, but <laughs> the sheriff still believes you. But um, yeah, the, the rest of the problem... real shocker there. I think he was hoping he was in the bathroom. I think he wanted the show. Yeah, he, he you know he thought he'd get the video camera ready and everything and just watch you two suck each other off and then jo- hopefully he'd be able to join in. But he's fine up watching too. He he's that kind of guy. But he's hoping someone will ask. He doesn't want to ask himself. He does. He has that much pride. <laughs> but uh. But yeah, so then all of a sudden they send in that FBI agent guy to come, like, you know, join the cause of, like, trying to figure out. Because he just really doesn't believe that Michael J. Fox is paranormal whatsoever. Or if he is, he's he actually believes he's sort of paranormal, but he believes he's the one killing everybody. Yeah, which that guy, I think that's Jeffrey Combs, wasn't it? I think so. I'm not going to lie, for a split second I thought that was maybe Crispin Glover or someone like that. Hmm. Doesn't seem like a kind of a Crispin Glover kind of character. I, I could see that. He he does have that kind of feel to him. And they give him that, like, kind of, like, that very, like, almost feels like, it's, like, just enough not over the top to still feel kind of, like, realistic. Because he's got this, like, weird, like, kind of, like, Adolf Hitler haircut. And he's always just kind of, like, got these quirks. And he just has that almost like a man out of time sort of feel, yet he's still there. And he also has these things too, like where just there's certain things about him, like like a woman like screaming at him, like he just can't handle it. Mm-hmm. Or like there's a part where the sheriff goes up to him after after the lady screams at him, and it's a sheriff turns like, "You okay?" He's like, "Do not get into my do not get into my personal space." Yeah, like he's got these all these like mental problems that like you don't know what they are, but once they finally explain him in the movie, it's like I think it's actually like it's like oh that's a really like cool well defined like backstory for that character. Yeah, because at first, like, what the fuck is this guy's deal? Then the more you watch it, you're like, okay, I kind of see that. He's, yeah, he's a walking cartoon character, but I definitely get why they made him like this. And he kind of has a little bit of a, I'm not, I, I don't know if if, it, if this is a part of it, but he reminds me of kind of like a J. Edgar Hoover type. Like one of those people who tries to be squeaky clean and very professional, yet it's kind of very weaselly and is kind of in some ways incompetent. Exactly. That's that's the best. That's a great way to describe him right there. Yeah. So going forward, he he's pretty convinced that Michael J. Fox is the one who he's doing going around doing all these killings because all the times he ends up going to the site after the fact because that's where there's ghosts. So he's like, all right, I'm gonna go, like, you know, turn some rocks over, ask some questions, hand some business then, cards out. Yeah. <laughs> Kill two birds with one stone. Oh, poor, poor choice of wor- uh, poor choice of phrasing at the time. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, and then he goes out there, and then the lady, like I want to say, one of the most recent victims. He goes back out there, and that bitchy lady is just like, 
there's no money for you here. And then he sees the number appear in their head, like, you're next. It's like, he's threatening me! He's threatening me! He's like, no, 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 no. I, mean, I just mean, I mean, I, I see the thing on your head. You can't see it. Don't worry. Oh, uh, fuck. Uh, I'm just going to punch her in the face and drive away with her in my car. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's, but then this is probably one of the parts where it gets like super. I mean, this part probably went on a little too long, but there's where they have that whole scene in like a museum, and the old guy, like the 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 uh, um, Reaper, is there, come, come to kill more people. And it's cool seeing Judge, uh, played by John Aston, just walking in, shooting out like, "Stay away! Go back to hell! God damn you!" And then, sure enough, they end up like. The uh, other ghosts pop in and start helping them out. Like, they start moving a mummy by itself. It's like, oh shit, this place really is haunted. Yeah. But then the one part that went a little much was when, like, he's like, oh, he sees like some like he sees like some like mummy. He's like, oh, that those are some nice teeth she has, and he just jumps to the coffee. He's ass popping up and down. He's like I like it when they lay still. <laughs> yeah, I guess all rapey and so on. That's almost like the, like the last time you see that character too. Like you never see him past that point in the movie. I want to say he gets killed by uh, the Reaper. Oh, maybe he, maybe that's what happens then. He gets his head cut off by the Reaper, but it's all right. He just goes to heaven or whatever. Yeah, it works out for him. Yeah, I think he gets killed by the Reaper, unless he's just like, no, nah, I'm just going on a fuck binge. <laughs> Look at all these corpses here. <laughs> Where are they going to go? Huh? Why don't we tell me about this place sooner? <laughs> I guess a fucking ancient corpse. I but... thought the Indian burial ground was fun. Fuck no. <laughs> They all know me in the graveyard by this point. Yeah. This shit's, this shit's all ethnic and shit. I'm open-minded. Well, the Indian burial ground's great, too, because then they put pets on top of it, so it's like you get a two-for-one deal. <laughs> People stop judging when you're dead. They don't give a shit. Yeah. Morals, what, you morals gotta... are a construct of mortals. Yeah, exactly. You know, when, when, you're, when you're dead, you just you, you feel like, you know what? I'm glad something got used for it. You know what I mean? That's that's all I'm thinking about, you know? You're, you're dead, you just want to fuck. That's yeah. all it is, yeah. Got nothing else to do. But, yeah, well, no matter what, that's that's the last you really see of that character. He From that point on, something happens to him. I think he gets killed by the Reaper. And then from there, there's, like... And they, they whenever uh, whenever um, Cyrus or Stuart are there... And I forgot to mention, Cyrus is played by Ch- Chai McBride. And Stuart's played by... What's his name? Stuart is played by uh, Jim... Fivey? Fivey? F-Y-F-E. Yeah. So, anyway. So, it, it's weird. If you actually look at this, Stuart, comma, Bannister's ghostly assistant, Cyrus. I'm nobody's assistant. I'm just fucking Cyrus. Fuck off. <laughs> no fucking assistant. I'm like a freelance oh, employee. Sh- oh, shit. Chai McBride. I know this guy. This guy is so weird. I didn't realize this was him. Um, Chai McBride, when I was a kid, this is around that same time, when you're a kid, you just kind of watch what was ever on television, and for some reason, when I was in, like, the sixth grade, it seems a little random, but it's Chai McBride, he's in this movie, so it kind of relates, I used to watch Boston Public all the time, it was not, it was not, it was not really a comedy, they advertised it as comedy, but it was just a drama about teachers working a high school in Boston, and he was the principal. So, and I always liked this actor. This guy was always really good. And it's just so weird when you're a kid, you just watch whatever's on television because <laughs> that's what was there. Now I'm thinking back, like, oh, I probably watched more live action dramas probably in middle school than I did as an adult. 
Yeah, because like it's like something you would never watch now as an adult, and it's just like it's so weird because that's how it was. Especially, I think it was just like that. That t- that was like that time period of like television. You know what I mean? Because you didn't really have like I mean you had choices of channels, but it's just like you know a lot of times you you would almost watch a lot of the in between stuff be- between like the shows you did want to see. Where it's like nowadays you would like shit. I wouldn't even watch something with commercials nowadays, let alone like if there was like an hour show in between something else. I'd be like, I'll go do something. I got, I got other things I can do. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, Boston Public, Stephen Harper. Yeah, I knew this dude looked familiar, but just with the ghost effect overlay on top of him, it took me a minute to recognize him, but I knew he looked familiar. Yeah, always liked this actor. He was also really good in Brother Solomon. I mean, granted, he just plays, like, the angry black guy in that, but they kind of, the writing is kind of self-aware and leans into that. He's in, he's good in just about whatever he does. Yeah, no, I, I, I like him in this one, too. He's fun. Oh, and he was, he was Will Smith's boss in iRobot. Forgot about that. Good old Ira. That's one of those movies I think I only saw in theaters. I don't know if I've seen it since then. I think it's. I think it's just one of those movies made to be that. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's not that it was like a bad movie. It was just like it was just like a. a stand- oh, I saw it. All right, cool. It was like a middle of the road. Just you know, you couldn't really complain, but you, there's nothing really to like take home either from it. Just you know, it was enjoyable for what it was, but uh, but yeah. Also, the, the, another cool. We're just mentoning characters off in this movie as uh. Because this really has nothing to do with the story. It's just kind of cool that he's there as R.L. Ermey's in this movie, too. Even though he's really just yeah. playing his full metal jacket, like, dead character version. For all but, I know, that could be the very character from Full Metal Jacket. Well, I was just about to say, I think that's probably what it's supposed to be. Because since he's a ghost now, and now he's, like, keeping order to, like, the graveyard. Like, he gets mad whenever, um, whenever uh, Michael J. Fox cuts through the graveyard. He's like, Bannister, what are you doing, you piece of shit? And... The thing is, they that's where a lot of the slapsticky comedy kind of comes in. And I think it actually kind of works for this movie. Where, you know, because whenever he sees him, like, he'll suddenly transform into, like, his boxing clothes and punch him. And then B- Bannister will go to take a swing at him. And then that's where, like, suddenly he appears in riot gear, blocks it, and then punches Bannister out. Or, like, you know, suddenly, like, I'm here to protect this goddamn forsaken... Like, feel the dead from all you mortal pieces of shit, and turns he like he turns into Rambo for a second with two machine guns, and it's a little kind of genie from Aladdin, but at the same time, I think it works. God, you, just a second, you said, could you picture R.L. Irby playing the genie? <laughs> <laughs> oh my! I, I almost so want to see that version of Aladdin. <laughs> what you think I'm gonna sing and dance? Fuck you! Make your three wishes, you fucking bitch! Like, that in itself, I would love to see the R.L. Irby fucking Aladdin. <laughs> Plus, like, I love it, like, if everybody else is fucking Middle Eastern, and then all of a sudden, fucking R.L. Irby. Just, just painted blue. This, this angry, like, blue-white guy, I guess you would say, fucking drill sergeant, just... And just have him transformed to all kinds of characters. He's still got to have all the weird, goofy characters, but just they're all R.L. Irby-type characters. Like, that would be amazing. It's just, he just changes outfits. He's still doing the same thing. He's not making pop culture references. <laughs> Even if he's turned to, like, fucking animals and shit, too. I just... if, I, if I could make a one wish, I would bomb this whole goddamn forsaken desert. Like, all right, all right, Genie, let's calm down. <laughs> just give me the wish. Just give me the wish. <laughs> I want to see all you non-Christians fucking burn. Like, all right. Let's... <laughs> Let's take a step back. <laughs> but, uh, but his, yeah, his characters, his most characters is like, I mean, I guess there, there is a moment that does have kind of for the story, but he's mostly just there just to be an awesome R.L. Ermy kind of like uh, cameo. 
Yeah, so that part was all great. It's funny. If you look at his IMDb picture, it's not the one you'd expect. It's a picture of him from the fucking 50s. (laughs) (laughs) He still has hair and shit. It's black. He looks like a fucking talk show host. (laughs) It's like 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 a crooner or something like that. Like he's like on Ed Sullivan. Like, ladies and gentlemen, the fucking Beatles! All right. What, I can't say fucking Beatles? Fuck you! (laughs) No, so he comes in. Anyway, he he pops in. And like, whenever they go cut through the graveyard, he pops in for a minute. And um, so eventually, you know, they have a couple like slapsticky moments with... uh, with Bannister and his two ghost friends, they hold up the cops by doing like a rotating door kind of gimmick and all that kind of stuff. He eventually drives off with uh, the lady in her car and he's trying to just get her to safety. But you know, he's the only one that can see the Reaper chasing him down. And then when they're cutting down the road, that's where he starts to have a flashback of the Reaper uh, in the car, like, you know, of the Reaper on top of the car. And then his wife yelling at him, this lady yelling at him. Then he crashes and then, sure enough, that's where the ghost has a chance to kill her and rip her soul out, even in death. She's like, you fucking bastard! Is she getting dragged up to heaven or whatever? Yeah, exactly. Just get pulled away. But it's like, good, fuck that. But she's fucking going to heaven. Like, probably going to fucking hell. Like, let's, let's well, be honest. At, well, at the same time, we don't really know. Right there, it looks like that no matter what, you go through this gate, and then from there, something happens. Because later, someone does go to hell, and, makes, and they do go up, but then everything around them turns red, and the worm thing eats them, and they go diving down. Yeah, this fucking, like, yeah, almost, like, worm-like creature, like, a mixed match from, like, The Thing and, like, Dune, like, sucks you up. Yeah, and just like takes you down to hell. Like when you when you think you're going up, it's more like you get stopped by like fucking security, and they're like, "Hold the phone." <laughs> Show. Let me see some the papers. The passport just came through. No, 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 no. <laughs> Denied. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. From that point on, has Michael J. Fox gone to jail yet or not? Can't remember. He later goes back and he says, "I've come to report that she is in her body is in my car, but I didn't kill her." And that's where they give him a jail cell. And that's where earlier on, um, I want to say the uh, um, the FBI guy, the weird, creepy FBI guy. It makes sense if he, I don't know if he pulled from J. Edgar Hoover, but since he's an FBI agent, it makes sense if he did. If he did. But anyway, um, when Jeffrey Combs' character is starting to... Um, interrogate him michael j fox isn't really saying anything and they start to wear all these weird dutch angles and he's all saying all this like shit like oh don't don't deny it you killed this person you killed that person using psychic you you, using psychic powers i know it because i have the same abilities and just going fucking crazy and he's like what about the guy what like you had a this you had a disagreement with your wife well well, the guy in the bathroom, what do you do? Piss on your hush puppies, you know? And then from there, that's where eventually they break in and they, the the guy's like, hey, hey, he's my friend. We're going to work on a book together someday. Come on, let's go in a jail cell for now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the fucking the FBI guy's like, he's like, this guy right here, I'm, I'm just fucking playing mind games with him. He's going to commit suicide before he even goes to trial. It's just like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, as much of a as much of a weasel as he is, I don't hate that character. There's, he kind of makes it. I don't know. Somehow he, he he he's so interesting because he's kind of like he's not really. You, you could almost call him the like of he's one of the villains, but he's not really at the same time. 
he's just confused, but he's also so ignorant to his what what he knows, and like. He's also someone who's really misinformed. Like, he's been in the trenches doing this shit for so long. And a bunch of people who are probably learning from people who had no idea what the fuck they were doing. So he's like, this is who I learned from. And they're like, oh, you got one of the few people in the world who probably do know what they're doing. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, no, no, that, that's just kind of like what makes him sort of this interesting character and so on. But um, as they kind of go on, like, the ghost buddies come in to try to break Michael J. Fox out. And Michael J. Fox is just like, the fuck it. What's the point? And between here and there, I want to say that's where Lucy went back to the house where there was a lady who 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 lives with her mother, who was the girlfriend of Jake Busey. Busey. And that's where, right here, they mentioned something to, um, right here, this is where they mentioned where, like, Jeffrey Milton said, uh, uh, Jeffrey Combs said he, uh, his wife was found dead, but with a number carved into her forehead. And and you know what? His retractable blade with his initials on it was missing that day. Where is it at? And for some reason, she had to go... I don't remember if it's the same scene or a different scene, but maybe it's the same scene. I think it's the same scene, actually. Um, Lucy went to that house because she eventually stopped by um, Michael J. Fox's house, gave, walked around, and said, like, this doesn't look like the house of a serial killer. And then went over to the creepy Adam's family. <laughs> this, looks like house. House. this looks like a guy who just can't fucking finish anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, they, they said the whole thing because they apparently got into an argument because he wanted to make a basketball court. She wanted the garden. And you see that there was a half-finished basketball court that he turned into a garden. So just like, all right, well, that's already a, a clue right there that he didn't hate or resent his wife. So, no, Actually, then... she, she wanted the basketball court. He wanted the garden. <laughs> <laughs> Be a man. Make me a goddamn basketball cart, boy. <laughs> Her wife, his wife had a lot of testosterone. She just like she just sits there with a fucking basketball, just fucking dribble, dribbling it. And every single time he says something stupid, he fucking just chucks it at his head and bounces it right off of him. What are we gonna do, do we? huh? You gonna come over here and steal it from me? What? Like thunk, a horse. Boom. Thunk. Thunk. Your <laughs> uh, move. Uh huh, honey. Could you please stop that? You know that that kind of hurts every time you do that. Thunk. Yeah, what are you gonna do about, huh? <laughs> I'm right here. You let a woman beat you at this game. It's <laughs> fucking bullying him the whole time. He later goes up to heaven. He's like, "Where's your wife?" Oh, well, you, we didn't tell you, but but a uh, bullying doesn't get you to heaven. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> your room's over here. You're, you'll be safe up here. I, I know you have that look on your face, like. You know, you've been trying to avoid it for a long time. <laughs> so she goes there, and at some point she's Jesus, hiding. Jesus comes by fucking dribbling basketball. Don't worry, don't worry. Jesus, it's just, just Jesus for basketball. Don't worry. <laughs> Jesus locks eyes. Very steady eye contact. Just slow, slow dribbling. <laughs> just walking down the hall. Like, not taking his eyes off Michael J. Fox. Just boom. Just slow. Just looking at him as he walks it. around a corner, like not turning his head. <laughs> oh, oh, hey man, uh, Jesus said he wants you to go. He wants you to meet with the basketball court. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, yeah. He just likes that. Whenever someone else, whenever someone gets here, Jesus likes to take some one-on-one time, play some uh, horse with them. You know, it's kind of a get to know you sort of thing. It's, it's yeah, like, a, like it's Jesus's way of a personality test. Yeah. Just so you know, if things go bad, 
he will talk to his dad. <laughs> like shit. <laughs> he says, hey Mike or hey Frank, whatever. He's like, took a while to get up here, huh? You know, like <laughs> Jesus just being all fucking aggro. Just takes his like robes off. He's wearing like basketball shorts, just fucking jacked. <laughs> It's the 90s, so he has, like, a Bob Wire prison tattoo. Exactly. On his bicep. The fucking Monstar is one on the other shoulder for some reason. <laughs> You're like, I fucking like the movie. Fuck you. I can say fucking heaven. You can't. I know my dad fucking hated it when I took him to go see it. So that's why I got the tattoo to piss him off. <laughs> Even Jesus goes through a rebellious face. <laughs> it's the green one. Bus cup. Yeah, I know their names. What, you don't? Well, you did, you did get put the tie-in cups for them? Got the whole collection here. From McDonald's, yeah. <laughs> but, um... Where the fuck does that leave? Oh, that, that leaves us with fucking Lucy going to fucking... Adam's family house. Yeah, neighbors. she goes to fucking Adam's family house to go check it out. And, like, you know, in there... She's kind of talking to, like, the daughter and so on. The daughter is almost seeing, like, like, come on, my, my mother's going to go, you know, grab coffee or something like that. Quickly, go go upstairs, you know. I'll, I'll show you, like, all these, like, clippings or whatever I have. And then um, she sees there, there's, like, the, there's, like, this urn sitting there. She's like, oh, don't touch that. That's, that's my father or whatever. My mother, like, said that, like, my father killed himself because of me. So I, I have to, my punishment is to have him sit here in my room looking at me all day long. <laughs> And then, like, she's like, hides her in this wardrobe, and that's where she sees the uh, Frank's, uh, his retractory utility blade. She's like, what the fuck? And, he finds and then, it, she finds it in the mother's room, knowing that the mother is kind of like, she's like, it's almost like the mother knew that she did all, you know, all this terrible stuff and kind of hid it up. Or kind of like, it's like hiding her daughter from it. You're but right? it plays it off like she, the mother's the one doing it. It plays it off like the mother's the bad guy. I, I guess that's what you... I, I didn't really see it like that. I, I guess what I saw was like, oh, wait a second. What's the mother covering up? I guess it could be that way, too. I took it as... I mean, I took it as what the movie was trying to do. Just because, you know, they showed the the girl was... They show... I think her name was Deborah, I think, or something. I think they show that she was abused. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, no, no. Deborah was, uh, the, uh, was the dead wife. They're trying to show that she was abused and her mother was super controlling. So I think it was trying to make it seem as if the mother was had some part to play in it. But it was just more the mother covering up as it goes on. And then when she finds her track, when she finds the utility blade, she's walking around the house. And there's like this scene where it's kind of one of those like really sort of forced expositions. But you got to find a way to get it in there somehow. And that's where... Um, the uh, uh, Reaper comes by, and the Reaper takes the form of Jake Busey. And this is actually, actually, I think we're mixing a little bit of the order up here. Because I want to say that we realized the Reaper was Jake Busey by the time... Um, was this... Like, I want to say that they did something to, like... They they put some anesthesia in um, in, a, in a Michael J. Fox... So he was able to go to go. He was able to temporarily die for a minute. Yeah, well, that that, that, that comes much well, that comes much later still. Because that's where we find out. That's because we find out that the that she's actually you know I, I'm you're right, right I'm jumping ahead here. She finds the blade, then she comes back there later. That's what happens. Yeah, she okay. comes back there like a third time, I think. Because yeah, at first now she goes to break Michael J. Fox out because now she's like oh, twice shit. isn't enough apparently in that house. 
Yeah, so like she goes and gets Michael J. Fox out, and the Reaper comes, and that's when Michael J. Fox is like, "Fuck it, we gotta get out of here. There's only one way, you know." And they bust out of prison and whatnot pretty easily, actually. And uh, yeah, the, the, yeah, well, that they just have to yell for the guard. So, and the ghosts are fighting off the Reaper. It's it's small Cyrus town, New Stewart. Zealand, Maine. So I guess it's okay. Yeah, Cyrus and Stewart fight off the ghosts, but die in the process, and that's where. Michael J. Fox takes some anesthesia, sits in a freezer, and battles the ghost through <laughs> like the graveyard and all that. And in the process, he almost defeats the ghost and the pro and, and the Reaper. But out of that, that's where we see, oh, okay, the it was the Reaper was actually Jake Busey. Yeah, he was just had a costume on pretty much and so on. Which I think's kind of a, that that I think that yeah. works kind of a cool. I mean, like. You could say that maybe somebody saw that kind of coming, but I feel like that is kind of a nice little twist because I did, you know, you just kind of wonder like what's going to kind of be like how that goes down. It's like, oh, that's kind of a neat way to go about it and so on. So then he gets a fucking battle, Jake Busey. And then somehow, some way, they just like, yeah, she does go back to the house and then she kind of finds like she's like oh, she, well she, essentially she, he's about to defeat jake Busey, but he has to get revived otherwise he's dead for good so from there she does go back to the house to confront her but like i think your mom's doing some fucked up shit like i know what you mean but let me just go be alone for a minute and she runs around the corner and that's where jake Busey pops up she's like oh my god i just can't wait to kill somebody yeah exactly and then she kind of realizes that wait a second no 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 the the daughter is not innocent and helpless she's a psychopath too yeah, and that's, I think that's the, I think hiding the, the daughter, I mean, because, you know, I thought it was kind of obvious it was Jake Busey, but at the same time, the daughter actually being a psychopath, I think that was pretty well hidden. I think so, too. I, th- I think they do, that's like one of the, they do such a fantastic kind of twist, sort of with that, and just the way she acts it out and everything's just like, totally, like, totally believable the whole way through. And then when she does kind of turn, and then she goes fucking full on, like, serial killer, and she's, like, trying to murder fucking, you know, the uh, doctor and whatnot and chasing after him for, like, a gun. Like, that that part's pretty badass. And, like, the cool thing, too, is they even go and they run back to, like, the old hospital where, like, all the murders kind of happened that Jake Busey did. And it's kind of cool because it's, like, you see it, it's all, like, dilapidated. It looks like fucking, like, Silent Hill inside there and so on. And what they've learned is that that urn that was inside, you know, the bedroom of, like, her father watching over it was actually just Jake Busey's fucking urn. And they have to take that and find, like, for some reason, for, for some reason, this town, the only church is in the, an old abandoned hospital. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. This isn't heavy, America. Heavy, heavy, All I have to say town. is, like, we, we know this isn't America, if that's the case, because pretty much I don't care what town it is in America. There's, like, a church almost on every block. And probably the farther east or back east you go, there should be even more churches. I live in San Francisco, which is heavily atheist and heavily left-leaning. And but there's, there's a lot so of many churches ancient here. churches there, yeah. Shit, there's churches yeah, next so. to, like, strip clubs there. It's like, that's just like, they're like, fuck. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes you need a blessing. He's like, one second, let me go uh, wash the sin off. And done. Okay, let's go back in. <laughs> it's just like a revolving door. <laughs> <laughs> but like of, stripper, of strippers and guys in business suits. Yeah, exactly. It's just one of those ones where it, it priest. <laughs> but it's just one of those kind of things. Like, so it's just so weird. This town, like, the only one there is is in this old abandoned, you know, hospital that nobody's used ever since those murders. And so they go into the fucking Silent Hill Hospital. That happens to be the only place of like a fucking church. And as they're kind of going in there, like Michael J. Fox is having these like visions of like the past the whole time. 
And uh, they're being, like, hunted down by the fucking, like, serial killer chick. And then he's seeing kind of, like, how the whole thing went down, how Jake Busey was just, like, he was working there and so on and just didn't fucking want it. it just couldn't have it anymore. So he just started going a killing spree, killing all the doctors and employees and anybody else along his way. And then she would come from behind and, like, fucking carve in the numbers into their foreheads and help kill and so on. Whatever she yeah. did. So you yeah, that- and you kind of learn this. It's kind of it's cool because it's like just it has these flashbacks back and forth. And this is the kind of the point where it's like by about this point in the movie, like this last like at least third act or so, it's like it's really like no comedy whatsoever. Now it's just a full on serious like kind of horror action movie almost. Yeah, and by this point, I guess there's one more quasi comedy part, which is they have the uh, which call it the uh, the um, FBI guy with the submachine gun walking around. Yeah, you got him still pumping in here and there. And you reve- he reveals that, you know, he's this guy who is doing deep cover on satanic cults. Charles Manson. Well all that type of stuff. So his whole body is covered. Like, he, he does his shirt. And see, his whole body is has, like, different, like, like witchcraft shit, like, etched into it. Pentagrams. His fucking nipples are, like, sh- have been, like, cut off and then healed over. Yeah, like a lot of weird, He's got creepy ass shit like that. You know, swastika on his hand and everything like that. And he even talks about like, it was just, I just think it's a cool kind of reveal. Like, it's just like that's an interesting character design. Like, oh, here's a guy that like the FBI just sent him off on all these like fucking horrible undercover missions. He's like, I worked at Charles Manson's house and I was the fuck boy for six months. That's all they did to me was just fuck the shit out of me. <laughs> Charles himself would wake up every morning and be like, I need to get my fuck on. <laughs> Where's that fuck boy at? <laughs> Text yeah. want to go writing. Yeah, and then he's like, and then they put me like, you know, like Jeffrey Dahmer's like fucking house. And, then, you know, they put me in satanic places where like I had to drink goat's blood and stuff. He's like, and have fucking like goat orgies. And But you know what? I did it for my country because I'm a goddamn fucking American. What are you? I suck a I suck goat dick for America. <laughs> this guy is no, literally like a... at the end of the day, this guy is about as patriotic as you could really get because you know the the average person would maybe do this once and then be like, you know what, fuck it, I'll take this desk job or something like that. No, he keeps going back to the phrase like because that's what Uncle Sam would want me to do. Uncle Sam well, wants me to fucking suck suck another dick, drink some goat blood, you know, and raise some hell. Well, on top of that, I'm not sure if this is me just looking more into it, but when you think back on it, because there's that whole, like, 80s satanic panic, and, you know, if you look long enough, you could find a couple people that were screaming hell Satan or whatever, but there really wasn't a whole lot of, you know, satanic groups going out there committing mass murder. You might get, like, there's, like, the Night Stalker guy who would scream, like, hell Satan whenever he killed somebody, but... Generally, there wasn't all these giant cults, so it almost gives off this impression that this guy is going in, doing all this crazy deep cover, and basically giving up his whole life for this thing that doesn't really even matter, and that was never really there in the first place. Yeah, exactly. Because well, most things, I think that satanic panic was mostly just like fucking kids playing Dungeons and Dragons and fucking, you know, listening to Rush and Iron Maiden. <laughs> Yeah, and that and and having long hair and having like four guys sitting in a basement like that that right there They're singing a song about Tom Sawyer. I don't know, <laughs> like that, that that really I think at the end of the day was what 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 it was. They're like, can't they just have a nice haircut and have a Leatherman jacket on and you know play outside for fucking once? 
Sorry if I cut you off there for a second. The audio is going in and out. Anyway. There's nothing um, on my end. So going on this right here. Um, so eventually it just becomes a little bit of this uh, haunted house, like chase of, you know, these this ghost, this psychopath, and this agent with a machine gun chasing the two of them down while they have this urn. At some point, what ends up happening is he thinks he's cornered them. The, the agent does and he ends up getting his head blown off by the uh by the by the crazy lady but then what they end up doing is well there's also the part right off. before that is the agent grabs the urn from michael j fox and pours it out and that's oh, like yeah. they're like oh fuck what have you done now we can't get jake Busey fucking back to like hell like he, he's a fucking blessing mm-hmm <laughs> And I think by this point, I want to say Michael J. Fox was shot or something. Or well, he, he gets shot point. right after this. He gets shot, so he's kind of dying. And out of that, he ends up he ends up dying in the process. But then, well, no, goes he, Michael he, J. he gets shot in the shoulder because he, he he gets killed by the lady because the lady strangles him with the the rifle or the shotgun. That's right. Well, yeah, he ends up dying, and he ends up getting into like a ghost battle with Jake Busey for a while. And then what's up happening is they. Uh, they actually get across like, oh wait, he can kill the lady right there because he ends up literally reaching into the psycho with the uh, with the with the machine gun, with the with the shotgun and literally pulls her soul out. And we've already seen this happen two or three times earlier in the movie where when someone dies, a big blue portal light comes down and sucks him up. So he's going to heaven and then he's grabbing this lady, pulls her out. So Jake Busey has a reason to chase after him. And I know that the whole thing with Jake Busey is he got the chair, so it looks like the top of his head is burnt. But didn't he look like a psychotic Butters from South Park? Yeah, because it looks sort of like, sometimes it looks like a little hairpiece. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know it's supposed to be like a burnt, like his, his forehead's burnt, but it looks more like like a Butters haircut, really, than anything else. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And so, like, as he's chasing him up there and whatnot, and they're kind of fighting so odd, um, it's almost like, I think that, like, he gets about halfway or something like that, or almost all the way, and then, what happens? Like, does Michael J. Fox just, like, go with him or something like that? He goes up to heaven, and then he's floating there, and that's where Cyrus and Stuart are there. Like, maybe, maybe Judge just did stay out of the picture because he's not up there. Maybe he went to hell. I don't know. Yeah. And they pulled, you fucked that mummy. And that, that kind of was a, a little over the line <laughs> that, or, you know, he's in like the Florida section, like senior citizen section of heaven. You're like, yeah, they got that too. You know, and they pull him like, you might want to stay a little step back, man. You know, and then on top of that, they have, um, Jake Busey and the girl like, ah, you thought you got us, but you didn't get us. Fuck you. We're going back. We're going to kill them all. And all of a sudden, like, the portal around them starts to turn red. And it starts to turn moist. And it looks like the inside of a creature. And then these little, like, tentacle worm things go and wrap around them. In through their mouths, through their ears, and all that. And then it zooms out. This worm-like thing that looks kind of like a leech or a worm or one of those things from Tremors. Closes his mouth and go dives into a pit of fire. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, it's like, there you go. I was like, yeah, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty fucking brutal. You know, and then it's kind of like, I remember like when it's like, because it's like this one of those movies where it's like, I kind of forgot, but this was one of those movies, like, I remember seeing it like way long time ago, but like, I couldn't tell you a whole lot about it other than like ghost shit. You know, it's just been that long. So I was like, when I was watching the ending here, I'm like, let's see, it's 96. So is it going to have like, you know, in the 90s, a lot of times you get the happy ending no matter what. Like, seems like you're kind of guaranteed. But I'm like, are they going to go with like, I mean, I guess you could say there's two types of happy endings, but like, I feel like 
the ending they go with is definitely the, like the happy happy ending where this ending has got like i was wondering like are they gonna do the thing where like nope he's up here with heaven and that's just kind of how it is you know he made the sacrifice but here's the thing he gets to hang out with his two buddies and his old ex-wife but instead they're like no man you ain't fucking hanging out here yeah she's over there you ain't getting fucking here go back get back there i don't know how this works but nobody wants you up here jesus says it's not your time to play basketball yet <laughs> Jesus still slowly standing there, dribbling slowly, not breaking eye contact. I'll be waiting when you get back. He says, maybe when the remake of Space Jam 2 comes out. Or I'll Space- see you in three months. <laughs> you know, if that, LeBron Space, if that LeBron Space Jam movie comes out, maybe then. They've been talking about for ten years. By the time, I don't know, they might have to jump, they might have almost. to, might have to make it like about stephen curry now or something i don't know you know yeah. it's been a while lebron's kind of old news yeah yeah but, but um, um instead they send him back and then he can go back and be like oh yeah you know what enjoy life you know what i mean fuck that house you've been working on get somebody to bulldoze that shit down you ain't gonna finish it look at you fucking lazy bob here you go. and then mary you know what fuck it you got a, you got a, you got a good new girlfriend now whatever happened to her husband he's probably just dicking around somewhere fuck him He's probably in hell. He was in heaven when they went back up there. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, hang out. That sheriff guy still really wants to do a novel with you, but uh, that, that's your decision. It's up to you. No one's going to twist your arm. Maybe him, but, you know. <laughs> he's, he says he's built He said he's never taken a single sick day off in his entire life so that he could do this novel with you. <laughs> he's, built up, he's built up a lot of time. He's got the amount of time that a European has for, like, vacation, though he's an American. In New Zealand, Maine. How? Best not to ask. Yeah, best not to ask. But uh, go enjoy life. You know what I mean. Your ex-wife can wait for you later. She's fucking dead. Who cares? Well, the, that's the thing. I actually, this is a case where um, even if he did stay dead, just because they literally show heaven, they show his friends, and they show the the lady, it doesn't feel like it, that would be even like that much more of a sadder ending even though you know he died because you literally see them and i guess the idea of i mean i guess it is a really really happy ending since it's like oh he saved the day and he gets to live even come back to life but it's one of those things where i feel like um well yeah because the other ending's not sad it's just not i feel like yeah it's like there's the happy ending then there's the happy happy ending Yeah, but I feel like it's also one of those things like I kind of like that turnaround because the whole thing is he's been lying to himself about trying to fix this house and he's been trying to just exist and just kind of go from job to job and he hasn't really had time to enjoy anything since his wife died. And I know it's a little cheesy, but at the same time, I think it's fitting for the movie, the kind of movie it is. If you did this like in like, you know, like some like um really intense horror film like oh bullshit for the kind of movie this is this has kind of like that steven spielberg robert zemeckis kind of vibe to it so i feel like this kind of like you know happier ending which is like you know what you've been spending so much time like around the dead and you know just trying to get paycheck to paycheck just go live for a while don't you know you you give how can you come up here when when you haven't really even lived yet so go back i think that works for this movie Oh, I, I totally do too. There's nothing like, yeah, there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with the ending. It's just one of those ones you kind of like, it's that kind of thing where you question like what type of ending are they going to choose? And knowing that it's like, you know, mid nineties, you're kind of like, I, I have an idea that they're going to go up the super happy ending, which is, I said, works. are they going to do the far from, are they going to do the far from home ending where he literally dies 
and then just like zooms out, zooms back, like it wasn't my time yet, and then just stabbed the, th- the thing. Was it Far From Home or what was it? The uh, the Far From uh, Home, the bird movie. No, there's the there's the they're, they're far away or from home. See, I thought, the, isn't uh, far from home the far is isn't that the farming movie was Tom like Cruise, the, the Tom Cruise movie where Nicole Kidman, he's their Irish. Oh, that, that that's far and away. These, uh, far and away, yeah. Yeah. Far and away, where he's where he's all like he literally dies at the end. The camera is panning out. She cries over his body, like, like I thought you died. Like the, the test audience didn't like that. Okay, stab the flag into the ground. The end. <laughs> that's right. I got a feeling that's literally what it is. I might be off, but I feel like that's what happened there. Yeah, like like yeah, the other yeah, the test audience doesn't believe that Tom Cruise should die. It's not the I'm 2000s. If it was the 2000s, the test audience believes that the, that Tom Cruise should die. But it's, well, not, like, it's like Tom. It's prime Tom Cruise type, like where where Tom Cruise can do no wrong, except for I guess after Irish accent. The last time I, yeah, except for the, they don't like when he uses the hardcore like Irish accent. I think that was the last time he used an accent in the movie. Yeah, it really was. I, I think so. They, there's a couple movies where he like puts a partial accent on, but not not a whole lot. Shit, he even plays like a German in a movie and fucking doesn't use an accent. I just realized, Mike, this could be very random. My girlfriend's Dutch. I've been looking some of this shit up on um, my computer, and I realized, what the fuck? Oh, all this shit's in Dutch because my girlfriend was on it last. God damn it! <laughs> just like woman. That, that's like when the one guy. That's like it's when like, the what one the Egyptian fuck, guy. Asked me to go fix his computer, and when I looked down at the fucking keyboard, it says like, <laughs> you know, Windows for the Middle East. I'm like, I'm not gonna get any farther. The, nope, nope, not doing it. <laughs> that one's on you. Yeah, it's like you know what? I, there, I could already tell this is gonna be too tough. <laughs> so, anyway, but, um, yeah. So, but yeah, um, this movie and, ends like I think totally fine ending. Totally works out well. It's just a good like. Yeah, like, you know what? Go live your life. You know what? Because obviously you lost your architect powers. You had to make a trade-off for your fucking psychic powers. Yeah, you can't do... You either, like, either be good with rulers and numbers or talk to ghosts, which will be. <laughs> yeah, you can't have both. So, uh, you know, and obviously you can't, you know, look at your car, too. You know, you can't fix anything anymore, but... Um, so, boom, well, then, that... then they have the wife, like, his, or his soon-to-be wife. They're all up there having a picnic. That's where the... Uh, Sheriff rolls in, like, hey, I was not writing a book. Yeah, it's great. Get the fuck out of my face. Okay. <laughs> As he's walking away, that's where you see the creepy, um, the creepy, uh, um, FBI agent guys FBI in, the back. in the back of the car. Yeah. So it's and like, that's even, that's even, oh, sorry, good. Oh, I was just gonna say, you, just, you realize that, oh, he was just left on earth. Fucking well, Jesus. Also Jesus didn't want to play basketball with him. He doesn't want to play basketball with nerds. Yeah, he's like, he's like, no fucking freaks allowed up here in heaven. He's like, oh, open your, open your hand. Now show me that thing on the side. You're on your, oh, ooh. Oh, yeah. he's, he's got, he's got no nipples. That's fucking weird. The nipples thing is weird, but then all the pentagrams and all the shit written in Latin backwards. Yeah, that's gonna. Yeah, that, that ain't gonna fly off my dad. Just saying. You know, like if you come over for dinner, be sure to wear a turtleneck. Do not take those gloves off. It's kind of <laughs> like. I can imagine it's like somebody's just like, what? Oh my god, you're coming to my parents' place tonight. Hide your neck tattoo. Here, put this jacket on or a scarf. Never take it off. We gotta, we gotta ease them into this. Because here's the thing: devote Catholics. My, my dad really loves the Jewish people. I mean, more than anybody else. Just saying, just saying. He created the Jewish people. 
And your hair, it's a little... Mm, I don't want to say Adolf-y, but... I'm just, you're kind of, your foot's in the door, kind of, with that. Yeah. If there's one guy my dad fucking hates, <laughs> let me say it. You're looking a little bit like him. Yeah. I mean, all you really need is the stash. I'm glad you didn't decide to go with that. Maybe it's a maybe it's a prepubescent thing. Maybe you never hit puberty. That's why the stash isn't even in. But who knows? But uh, yeah, so you are walking around in a lot of black leather and those black gloves, and the haircut does not help. You know, and, maybe yeah. it's best you just keep roaming the earth as a ghost. You know what? You know, some people are just destined to be ghosts. You know, maybe my dad will change. Maybe he'll come come around. You know, a few millennia. You never know. You never know. You never know. But uh, well, find yourself. Go go. You know, go. Look, stay away from crowds. I don't think you'll blend in too well. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, 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 yeah. Just fucking dribbling the basketball. Yeah, maybe you just take the escalator back down. <laughs> Have fun. <laughs> I stood up for my country. Yeah, we know you did it for your country. Fuck it, guess who else did something for their country? You look a lot like them. Fucking Jesus just reaches over, pushes a button, the fucking tube just goes the reverse direction. <laughs> Slowly, just... <laughs> and, and that's that's the end of the Frighteners right there. <laughs> well, then they have like the, they have a, a, a cover of Don't Fear the Reaper. Like, it's just like, oh, look, you, you might have a new... Like, they kind of have that thing, like, maybe, maybe. Like, I don't think they're planning a sequel, but maybe that guy can come cause some tra- uh, some trouble for him. Yeah, exactly. Like, there could be a sequel to this one. But uh, instead, I feel like the producers sort of, like, screwed the pooch on this. Because it's like, you know, like, I think I think it was, like, uh, Robert Zemeckis and, like, Peter Jackson were like, dude, this should be a Halloween release. Like, every fucking horror movie should be. And I like the producer like, you know what? Let, we're really thinking a summer release would be the best time for this movie. And it's kind of like, I don't know what why that is. Like, to me, I think that's the weirdest thing. It's like, and especially nowadays, like, almost, you know, Halloween comes around. And it's funny, you think of, what, what do you think of, like, there's one movie genre you think of in October. It's fucking horror movies. And I love how the movie theaters have, like, for the last, like, many of years, almost never have a Halloween movie out. At all. What, what, are, the, what are the Halloween movies this year? You got you know, The closest thing you get this Adam's year. Family. Granted, Shit, is that is the closest thing you have. Adam's Family and Zombieland 2. Oh, yeah, and Zombieland 2 did come out, so I, I do give that one credit. But at the same time, I will say, like... Um, those aren't that like countdown bullshit. I don't plan on seeing it, but that came out. Is that a horror movie? It's a movie about an app that kills people. Oh, okay. Well, I, I, it's I, a I, horror movie. I mean, it barely qualifies as a movie, but it's a horror movie, I guess. Well, okay. I'll, I'll at least give it credit for coming out then, because it's like there's so many movies where it's like, I mean, like you know, you think about like it came out like two months ago. It's like why that should have fucking came out literally like in October. Like why? You know, and same with like scary May stories telling the dark. Week of October, even. Which one? Maybe even the first week of October. It? No, it came out like in uh, yeah. August. Uh, no, I'm saying it should have. I'm just saying it. Should've. Oh yeah, yeah. That would have well, been yeah, the I, perfect yeah. time. Enough time for people to go out and get a costume of it, and not see it too late. Yeah. Yeah, like I mean, you don't have to come out like literally on Halloween. I, I love how because you know what's coming out on Halloween is fucking Terminator Six. <laughs> of all things, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I remember, like Zach and Miri make a porno came out on Halloween of all things. Yeah, because I very like that one did, you know, and it's just it's just so weird that like, yeah, like, because you know, a lot of times horror movies come out like in fucking January and February, which is always like, I mean, grant, I think that's just a, it's a easier release time because it probably doesn't cost as much to release your movie then, and you don't have a whole lot of competition. But it's like you know, go back to like the Frighteners, they release this movie up against the fucking the Summer Olympics and fucking Independence Day. <laughs> go go figure why it didn't oh do as God. good. 
Yeah, it's like some people just... I mean, I guess there is that Captain Hindsight thing to know what you know now, but on top of that, it's like, really? This... I don't know why that... I mean, every so often, okay, a horror movie that comes out in summer, I, I get maybe if the market already looks pretty saturated during during October, but the thing is, no one's been doing it lately. And whenever a horror movie does come out in October, it's very rarely a ghost movie or a slasher movie. It's usually something kind of like around the lines of like, I don't know, there's that, I mean, I guess it's a ghost movie, but I guess that, that count, some weird kind of generic look in like of the moment, which looks like some producers crunched some numbers together and looked at some flow charts, like try to make a horror movie out of this. Teenagers love their cell phones. So what if their cell phones killed them? You know, that that's literally what that fucking sounds like. And that's like one of the only horror movies that came out this summer or this, uh, this season. Yeah, and, I, and at the same time, I have to still say this. I give it credit for actually coming out because I've seen so many years where there's no horror movies. Not a single one. Or, like, there's movies that's like, well, there's a sci-fi movie that came out. I guess that's close enough. <laughs> you know, but, well, like... Well, there's the, there's, the, there's the Lighthouse, which is apparently a psychological horror movie, but at the same time, it barely looks like it resembles a horror movie. It looks more like an art house movie. Yeah, and that's, like, probably not coming out at the major theaters anyways. So it's like there's that kind of thing. You just think about those movies, like the really big ones. Like it's like sort of like they released like the Halloween one like four months ago or something. It's like it's got fucking Halloween in the title. They <laughs> like, released it four months ago. Yeah, well, yeah, that Halloween the one or when did that Jamie Lee Curtis one? Maybe that came out even earlier. That maybe that came out like in springtime or something like that. Like it came out like that's such weird timing. Yeah, I thought that came out last Halloween. Was it really this Halloween or was it this year or something? Or was it was it last Halloween? Maybe maybe that one did actually come out that time. I thought that for some reason I was thinking that came out in January. I could be kind of wrong, but I just think about like, you know, yeah, they had all the Stephen King ones and it's just like yeah, Pet Cemetery could have been like, you know, moved a little bit farther forward. I, I don't know. It's, it's just kind of weird that like you have these big name horror films and it's like or even like the the sequel to The Shining. It's like I think that comes out next month. It's like okay, why is that coming out next month? It's the fucking Shining sequel. Yeah, that that can't you bring it back? I mean, literally, like the only thing you got competing for you right now is Terminator Six on Halloween. There's like no other real big movie out at the moment. Yeah, I don't know, but anyway, uh, this right. movie at least this this definitely puts me in the Halloween mood watching this movie. Yeah, and plus it's just it's it's a fun it's a fun movie, and it's one of those ones where it's like it's a very like. It's just a great, like, filmmakers-type movie, I think, at the same time, too. I think it's just really interesting, just the effects, the camera angles, the way it, It's just, you know, that it's that classic Peter Jackson. Because, you know, like, don't get me wrong, like, I love Lord of the Rings and King Kong and all that stuff. And they're great, like, in, like, a completely different way. But, like, you watch these old Peter Jackson movies, and it's just, like, there's something always so cool about them. Like, just the way that they're put together and made. You know, they just, they just have such a great look to them. I just love just, like, the action, how it kind of flows how things move and just like it's like odd but like very like inspirational Mm-hmm. yeah it's this is one of those movies that just kind of puts you in a good mood yeah i mean literally it has a happy ending it's one of the few horror films that actually at this time that had has a happy ending and i guess if there was a time for horror films to have a happy ending it was probably the mid 90s yeah most of the time there's a little bit because that's kind of a little bit change and I know yeah. that like most of the '90s isn't really like the strongest like era of horror movies, so that's why I think ones like these kind of stand out. It's just I kind of like just that. There's something that I don't think a lot of horror movies have, and granted, it's an older. I guess maybe this is more of a 
horror films kind of aimed at kids, but I kind of like it when horror films have a little bit of a sense of kind of whimsy to them. Mm-hmm. Like, shit can still go bad real quickly. I think Guillermo del Toro is good at bouncing those kind of things. Like, something like Pan's Labyrinth. Like, mm-hmm. shit can go bad really quickly, but there's still a little bit of a sense of whimsy to it. Like, there's still a sense of, like, I think... I know a lot of times I get irritated when it's always kids in movies and all that because just like, oh, this kid's going to be annoying. Kid's going to fuck things up. This isn't really going to Frighteners exactly, but I think a a horror film with kids in it is one of the few times um, I think that works really well because the world is a lot scarier of a place when it's a kid. And if the kid's written well and it's engaging, you almost feel... You, you, you fear for him a little more because you know how defenseless they can be. But at the exact same time, I feel like when a movie's willing to kill a kid, it's like, okay, because, like, you know, it's PG-13, stars all these kids, like, all these kids are making it out just fine. But when it's, like, R, like, oh, like, it, like the beginning of It, mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting to see Georgie's arm get bitten off. I was like, are they going to do it? I mean, I know in the book he, 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 he bites it, but I imagine they're going to come. Oh, shit, you showed it. Yeah, exactly. Just goes for it, you know. So, the Frighteners, I don't think there's any kids in this movie, now that I think about it. No kids. No, there aren't any kids. Oh, actually, there's little kids that help the that help the ghosts uh, scare their rich mom. Oh, yeah, that's, that, that is true. That, that... Which, that, that was kind of interesting, because they always have that thing, like, apparently children, there's that, that theory or rumor that children are more in tune to the dead or whatever. So the idea that the, the dead can talk to these kids, the kids know exactly what they're saying. Yeah, because their brain is in, like, the theta state, like, all the time instead, you know. Mm-hmm. Some, one of those kind of things where, like, you know, unless, like, as an adult, you have to meditate to get back into that state. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, those weird things like that. But, um, yeah, The Frighteners, check it out. We'll put a little link inside there or in the description if you want to go kind of grab it on Amazon, help support the show a bit. Uh, definitely a fun movie. It's, like, it's about sweet ghost movie you could possibly have just as 90s as all can be and who doesn't like michael j fox come on come on plus yeah you know everything else in the film but um but yeah check that out go to oldmanorange.com for more podcasts comics like pizza boys animations and all that fun stuff i'm spencer scott holmes and i'm Rand dunnigan we'll see you some other time later folks Thanks again for listening to the Old Man Orange Podcast. Sure, check out oldmanorange.com for more podcasts, cartoons, music, animation, and a whole lot more. We also have the Old Man Orange blog going with all kinds of fun stuff. If you easily want to support the show, use one of our Amazon links either on the website or in the description of the podcast below. Rate, review, and subscribe to the show either on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, Newgrounds, or anywhere else that you seem to get this podcast from. Grab the sitcom-styled comic book Pizza Boys on either Comic Central, Comixology, or Amazon. Want more podcasts? Check out the Indie Comics Club over at Comic Central. I also got a workout website called Thor's Hidden Gym. Filled with fitness tips and tricks, videos, and a whole lot more fun stuff in the calisthenics world. Talk to us on Twitter, at Spencer S. Holmes and Dunnigan Ryan. Like our Facebook pages of Old Man Orange Productions and Pizza Boys Comic. Thanks again. We're out of here.